Hello and welcome to Backchat, your podcast all about scoliosis, yoga and back care. My name is Christine Jaregiberry. I'm a yoga teacher, creator of the Yogaberry Yoga for Scoliosis community and YouTube channel. And this show is all about supporting you on your scoliosis journey. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration on how to manage the condition with yoga and movement, then you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. We are live. Welcome to Backchat. Welcome to Yoga Berry, your yoga for scoliosis community. My name is Christine Jaregi Berry. Most of you know that already. I know a lot of you are regulars here. And if you happen to catch this on the Apple podcast or, or on Spotify, then just um, to tell you that we are live on YouTube at the moment and it's 4 p.m. in the UK. Um, which is 8 a.m. Pacific time, I think, and um, must be about 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. Eastern time. So if you ever want to catch me live and um, get involved in the conversation, then feel free to do that. Right. So before I bring on my interview guest um, today, by the way, I see some of you are already tuning in. So really, really nice to see that. Uh, feel free to use the, the chat box. So come and tell us where you are in the world. Um, let us know your questions as well. And we'll be talking specifically about um, Pilates today, Pilates and scoliosis and spinal fusion. But before I bring on Emily, um, just to let you know that I am starting a new Yoga for Scoliosis online class and it's going to happen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. UK time. So you are more than welcome to um, join me for that. So I will leave the, the, the um, link in the description below as well. Right. So um, today I've got the lovely Emily Hale and uh, she is a lovely Pilates teacher. Some of you might know her from Instagram as Build Brief Pilates. Um, and let me get her on now. There she is. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome, Emily. Thank How are you, you doing? <laughs> yeah, really good. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yes, and we can see a little bit of sunshine on oh, you yeah, as well. Coming through. <laughs> yes, those of you who are just listening to the audio, missing out on that. But yes, it's a lovely day um, right now, even though my washing did get wet in the morning. Oh, no. And I was really disappointed <laughs> about that. Oh no. There's one of new, those days. There's this new Lenore washing detergent that smells like it's been dried outdoors. So you can have a uh, try at that one. You can cheat yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was so happy. I thought, oh, this is like one of the first days I can actually put things outside and it will be safe. But no. You're in England. I'm in England, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There'll always be rain. <laughs> right. Okay. So Emily, um, shall we let's dive straight in? Um, why don't you start telling us a little bit about your personal um journey with uh, with scoliosis your experience and i believe you've got spinal fusion yourself is that right yeah yeah so yeah please please tell us <laughs> oh goodness okay where to start so 
I was diagnosed when I was 14, um, which I guess is very, very common. Um, and my curve was 50 something degrees. I had a double curve. And so they just put me straight on the surgery waiting list. And I think it took about a year before I was in for surgery. So didn't have much time where I was aware that I had scoliosis before I was fused. Um, and I was a very keen dancer and I kind of just carried on as I was until the surgery. And it was quite a big shock when obviously you wake up in hospital and you're really knackered. And obviously I now have these two big rods in my back, like a bit of a kebab, like I'm sure many of your uh, listeners are. Um, and I guess when you ask about recovery, I felt like I was kind of left to my own devices. And that's something which I think both helped and hindered me in different ways. I think mm -hmm. in the first few years, I was really keen to throw myself back into everything. And I've done incredible things um, with my fusion. I trained as a surf instructor. I've done, climbed mountains. I've done loads of things. But I also think it meant that I pushed it to the back of my mind and I never spoke to anybody about scoliosis or fusion. And I think that builds up a lot of stress subconsciously um, without kind of processing and accepting what you've been through. And I think for me, a real turning point was when I was super stressed at work. I used to work a nine to five desk job. And every time I got really stressed, my back would get really bad. And that was when I thought, you know what, I really need to learn about my body. I need to study anatomy. And so I trained as a Pilates instructor. Um, and that's kind of how it all, all came about. And it's been just an incredible journey to learn how my body works and to learn what might trigger those flare ups, how I can help myself best. And it's therefore then led to me developing my own kind of unique Pilates style because a lot of Pilates that you see is very bendy, involves lots of roll downs. And obviously with a spinal fusion, it ain't gonna happen. So that's kind of what I teach now is very much spinally fused Pilates, avoiding the crunching, avoiding rotation, but focusing on both the physical and the emotional parts of recovery. And I think kind of trying to be that voice that I wish I'd had after my surgery is what I'm trying to do now. Mm, yes, absolutely. Thank you. And I'm just want to acknowledge everyone who's here. I think we've, we've got quite a few people um, just tuning in and uh, Liz is here and she's saying, I'm looking forward to hearing from Emily. Oh, let me bring it on for you so you can read it as well. I'm fused and do a modified Pilates, um, not scholarly specific. I'm struggling with more pain as I've got older. And she's in West Yorkshire. Um, yes, it's tough, isn't it? And we, I, I, we will go into a little bit more kind of uh, detail about, you know, pain, hopefully as well, and, and talk about yeah. that. But before we do that, I do want to, you kind of gave us a very uh, uh, a quick uh, run yeah. through. <laughs> A few years there, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I want to kind of go kind of right back. You said you were you were diagnosed when you were 15, is that right? 14. 14. Yeah. So it's actually quite late, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I've seen people who are diagnosed kind of 10 or 11 and you go through the bracing. Yes. And I think 
The trouble is when you're going through puberty, I think you tend to hide your body because you're going through all these changes. And I think that's definitely what happened with me is my parents didn't see my back for probably right. two or three years. And so that's probably why I was quite severely curved by the time that it yes. was picked up. Yes. Which I think is quite common. It's very common and um, and you don't, well, you don't see your back yourself. No. I mean, you might see things, obviously, if there is a little bit of a, a hump or something, you will see yeah. that. But usually the, the teenagers don't have that yet. Um, so, uh, and I just wanted to kind of highlight this, that it's so important to um if you're working with young people that this is that this is recognized and as you know yeah. you know uh, they're not screening for scoliosis in the uk so really we rely on the parents um and dance teachers and you know uh, those gym yeah. teachers and anyone who comes in contact with it with the kids in in that way to um yeah to kind of let us know when there is something going on when there's when there's something up and when they're suspecting it isn't it yeah definitely i think we noticed it when we we're putting sun cream on or something right. like one of the rare occasions but yeah it's hard to hard to pick up and mm. um yeah i'm just glad that we picked it up when we did but um, absolutely absolutely but just going kind of back to this so um you said you there was a, a year or something until you had your your surgery yes so how how was that can you kind of remember what it was like for you kind of uh, you've just been told basically you're gonna have metal rods yeah. in your back um what was going through your mind then <laughs> so i find this really interesting to think back to because i don't think it hit me until i was on the table counting down for the anesthetic before my surgery and I find that just fascinating because obviously you have all this build-up you have the pre-op appointments you talk about exactly what's going to happen you make plans for going back to school afterwards but I think there's two ways to react to that either you are obsessed with it and it's all you can think about and it's this huge big scary thing or like me you just put it out of your mind put it in a box put it on a shelf never think about it and I think that was my reaction, which seems crazy because it's, it's a huge life event. But I was only 15. And I think if a doctor tells you you need something, you just go along with it. Um, I feel more sorry for my mum. She probably had a horrible time thinking it all through. Um, but I do remember when I was on the, um, on the kind of surgeon's table at the hospital, it suddenly hit me, ah, this is quite a big thing. And I'm gonna wake up in a second with a new body. Um, so that was that was the only real moment of realization for me, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, so then you 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 had your, your operation. Um, how long kind of did it take you to to recover from that? What would you say? Oh, it depends what you would class as recovery. I think I was back to standing the next day and walking. Right. The physiotherapists are amazing, aren't they? They get you back on your feet so quickly. Um, I think sitting was really tough for me. I think it was about three weeks before I was happy to sit up. Mm -hmm. um, but I was back to dancing probably after six months, obviously taking it very gently. But I was doing little tidbits and 
feeling the flavor of a dance class without doing anything too high impact. Mm. But then I would also say emotionally, I'm probably still processing it now and I'm still learning to manage my condition and actually manage longer term pain and stress from it. So recovery wise, yeah, it really depends on what you would class as recovery. Mm, absolutely. And we heard from Caitlin uh, last week and she was she was talking about her experience with a brace. So she didn't have yeah. a spinal fusion, but she was talking about the brace and how like years after um, she still sometimes gets all of the sudden these feelings of like, like she needs to put the brace back on things like this you know it's it's it, it stays with you and obviously for you it literally stays with you <laughs> yeah it's still exactly. there right yeah yeah and um so how how many years ago was that the your it was eight eight years ago eight years ago yeah. so it, it's one of the more contemporary uh regions, <laughs> So titanium, I'm guessing. It's titanium, yeah. Um, it's not the magic rods that you see nowadays. That they're amazing. You can actually get rods that grow with you um, as you get older. But mine yes. are just box standard, in as they are, kind of rods. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think I've got 16 pins as well, kind of keeping it all together. And it's uh, where exactly is the fusion? So it's from T4 down to L5. So it's quite a big one. I'm big lucky one. not fused into the sac sacroiliac joint or down too low. I've got a bit of movement down at the base of my spine, mm -hmm. a little bit at the top. But yeah, the rest of it, it ain't going to move. Yeah, so that was, that was my next question because I have... Um, I've, I've worked with people who had some mobility in their spine. And then and I've uh, worked with people who have like no mobility whatsoever. Yeah, and I think I find that personally really fascinating because I think for probably six, seven years after my art, I assumed that the whole of my back was just completely solid and I couldn't move it at all. And it was relatively recently, a year or two ago, I was talking to a physio because I've got this weird clunk in my lower spine. And I said, you know, is that my rod clicking? And she said, no, 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 your rods are so far away from that. Like, don't worry, let's try and mobilize around it. And actually working with her, I've now got quite a good bit of rotation um, in the lower part of my spine. Um, and I find it fascinating to learn the difference between what mobility is limited because of where your rods are and actually where's stiffness because you're holding yourself a certain way and you might be able to just ease a little bit more movement out and that's going to be so different for everybody and I've seen people with longer fusions than me that seemingly more bendy than me and the other way around shorter fusions but a lot more stiff so I think that's a level that's different for everybody. Yes, yes. and that's, and that's such, such a good point, point. and um uh, yes, absolutely. Like, where where does the fusion kind of start? Where yeah. does it end, isn't it? And which is kind of muscular, yeah. soft tissue um, stiffness, obviously. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I, I do think that that's where the mental side of it comes in. Because if you're told that you're as delicate as cotton wool and you've got to hold yourself upright and you can't move at all, of course you're going to stiffen up. But I think if you build that confidence back in yourself that actually you've probably got some more movement than you realise, then you can see a bit of a difference. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. 
Good. So let's let's talk about let's dive into the uh, Pilates um, um, aspect of it. So what was it kind of that that drew you in? What what was it that you enjoyed so much about um, Pilates? What did you find helpful? So I think I was told to do Pilates by my surgeon. I think that was why I chose that in particular. Um, but I really love anatomy. I love learning about muscles and bones and how everything interacts together. And I always found that when I went into Pilates classes, I came out with this wealth of knowledge about exactly what we'd worked and why we'd worked it. And so it piqued my interest in particular um, for that reason. I think what I love about it and still continue to do today is how strong it makes me feel. And I think when you have a spinal fusion or just scoliosis that's not been fused, you can often feel a little bit weak or like you're unable to do certain things that everybody else can. And in my Pilates classes, I had this fantastic teacher and she would always find a way for me to do an exercise in a way that I could do it in a way that I felt good and I didn't feel like I was behind the rest of the class and that really really stuck with me and so that's something I try and do now when I'm teaching Pilates myself. Um, I just really enjoy the style of it, I enjoy the flow of it, I enjoy that you get a little bit of burn out of it but you're not too sweaty because it's low impact um, mm. and I just enjoy that it's got that flavour of dance which I used to do pre-op as well. Yes, I think there are a lot of dancers that um, yeah. are drawn to Pilates because um, I guess there's a lot of focus on the on the on the core, and it's quite a good, it's it's complementary to dancing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, um, have you? We talked a little bit about this already be, before we came on on this, but what's your experience with uh, with yoga, and how would you say this? Pilates is different from from yoga just for anyone who hasn't maybe tried both of them yeah I mean with yoga I have only really had experiences of classes that weren't adapted and so when I've tried your videos for example they're really adapted and I feel safe doing them but just personally classes I've done in the past I have felt like I've been asked to do lots of roll downs lots of extensions through my back huge amounts of rotation and um, to the point where I've even been pushed in a class to extend my back more and you're thinking I've told you I've got rods in my back please stop but it's embarrassing isn't it in a group class um, but I think where Pilates differs um, if we look at an adapter class with both yoga and, and Pilates um, yoga's got foundations doesn't it in spirituality and in mind and body connection and about kind of flowing from one pose to another, holding the pose and then flowing to the next one. Um, whereas Pilates to me feels a little bit more that we'll pick a muscle, do a few reps to really isolate and work that muscle and then we'll do the next exercise and work on the next muscle. So I don't want to say a bit more bitty, um, maybe a bit more muscle focused rather than a full body. Um, but it's also, as you say, very much focused on core strength, posture, um, breathing is really important as well. Um, so yeah, a few differences there. Yes, that's and that's my um, that's my experience as well. Is is that I uh, it, I always found the um, Pilates, and I do actually. To be fair, I mix and match <laughs> really yeah. in my classes. <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed to take bits and pieces yeah. of different different things, isn't it? Um, but the the 
Pilates ones, they're, they're usually quite precise. Um, yeah. And uh, repetitions, as you say, and there's usually like a whatever, a 10, 15 repetitions yeah. or something. If I'm feeling nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, there's a hundred as well. Oh, yeah. What about that one? <laughs> um, yes, but really, it. I think Pilates was inspired by yoga or came from yoga. I don't know. I don't know exactly the background. Interesting. But, um, so the guy who, well, Joseph Pilates, who invented the technique, I think you'll really feel an affinity to him because he was very poorly as a child and he wanted to learn about his own condition and help himself so it's actually a fusion of a huge plethora of different um, movement styles circus training strength training yoga and he pulled it all into this one style that kind of helped with his own rehabilitation so it's got a nice backstory yeah great amazing yeah. good so um for can you give us so tell us first maybe the, the movements or the kind of the things that maybe we should well or those with spinal fusion should maybe be careful with or should avoid in a pilates class yes anything that involves rolling down or extending your back or twisting your back um i think it's fine to explore that range of movement a little bit but forcing any movement that isn't natural big big no um there's a lot of abdominal work that, if not done correctly, can put a lot of pressure on your lower back. And if you're fused and you've not got a lot of movement there, it's especially damaging, or it can be. So anything, for example, lying on your back, lifting your feet straight up away from the floor, both together, I would avoid. Um, I like to teach a little pelvic tilt position. So we kind of draw your pelvis backwards towards the mat and it just takes the pressure off of your lower spine a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so there are adaptations that you can do, but as a general rule, I would avoid anything that's yeah, rolly downy um, or anything that involves both legs lifting away from the floor at once. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did talk to um, Caroline Friedman, who who um, was on on the show obviously as well before with spinal fusion about this and i think one of the things she said and she only has a thoracic fusion um was this idea of the neutral spine yeah that comes up in a, in a pilates class very often obviously and pilates teachers will, will talk about this yeah but that might not apply to someone from with yeah uh, with spinal fusion would you agree with that yeah i think it's definitely something as well that you're assumed to know what they mean. And as you say, when you've got a fusion, it's like everything's completely different. And I don't know what neutral is. Is neutral like without the rods? I don't know. Um, so I always like to focus on actually feeling what's working, making sure we get your abdominals working before we do anything fancy with legs or arms. And just constantly thinking, am I feeling pressure in my lower back? Is this uncomfortable? And just checking in with yourself. I think that's a big trouble with group classes that are generic group classes is that people don't take the time to make sure that you're feeling okay and they'll push you and push you to do an extra rep and actually feeling really uncomfortable but because there's a fitness professional telling you to do something you just go for it don't you so yeah being aware of, of terms like neutral spine and being aware to say hang on I don't actually have a neutral spine is important. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And and you know, it's 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 difficult, obviously, if your um, teacher might not have had anyone with a, with a spinal fusion before, isn't it? It's really tough to explain to people. And even I, I recently saw a physio, a senior physio, told him about my fusion, and he said, "Can you do a roll down for me?" And I, I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, go on, just just show me." And I'm there going. What do you want me to do? Like tucking my chin to my chest, I'm like, I can't do it. Um, and he goes, Oh, all right then. I'm thinking, people just don't understand. Like if you say you've got a fusion, I think it's quite an alien thing. Um, so I think awareness is is really important there. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so just coming back to to some of the things that we we shouldn't have, we should avoid and i always get asked this about um working with the core yes um and well let's talk about like the the hundreds yeah and uh what do you do sit-ups in pilates Nope. And positions like the hundred, we have to adapt as well. So Pilates yes. itself, yes, you could do a sit up. Um, but with a fusion, just if you try to lie flat on the floor and lift your shoulders away from the ground, it's just awful. You're just going to put a lot of strain through your neck and not actually get any benefit through those upper abs. Um, so there's things we can do with, for example, I've got a Pilates ball. It's like a football sized ball. And you can put that behind your tailbone and do kind of like a sit-up motion. And then you get those abs right underneath your ribcage, but you're not actually doing any crunching. Mm. Um, and moves like the 100, again, that's something where your shoulders are lifted off the floor. So you do an adapted version with shoulders back on the ground um, and just do the movement with the lower abdominals. So mm. it'll be easier. Yeah, yeah great. great. Thank, Thank you. you. Good. So let me just have a quick look at the chat. Um, it's a little quiet, so please guys tell me if, if it's actually working. I mean, we did have Liz here in the beginning, so I kind of feel relatively confident that this is, is, is all working. But let us know if you've got any questions, obviously, for Emily. Otherwise, I just keep quizzing her. <laughs> about things, that, things we that, that we should do and they, that we shouldn't do. Oh, there's, uh, Joe is here. She's saying, hi, Christine. Thank you, Joe, for telling me. She's... Okay, echoing when talking. Okay, thank you for letting me know. Let's see if we can do something about this. Oh, no, you sound fine for me. It's a shame. That's always one of these things with um, technology, right? It's good. Ow, we'll be all right. <laughs> right. We'll be all right. Good. good. So, tell us, tell us a little bit more than about. Um, what are your what are your kind of your top tips for people who are just kind of looking who maybe uh, recovered um it's after it's a year after the surgery yeah what's the what's the next step to start small is the biggest tip i think 
I get a lot of messages from people who are like two months post-op and they're itching to do a hip class. I don't remember having this much energy after my operation, but there you go. We've got some nutters out there who want to get back to it. Um, but yeah, starting slow is so, so important. So as you say, kind of at that year post-op mark, um, that's when you should be getting a sign off from your surgeon. So I think you have to go and have another appointment with them and just check everything's fine. And they'll give you the sign off to start back with exercise. But it's still really, really important to take it slowly and in small chunks. So maybe starting with swimming is a fantastic one. Building up your walking is so important. I think it's really underestimated. And with Pilates, um, you could join a group class. It might be worth doing something more on a one-to-one -one basis just to get yourself back to the style and learn about how your body moves because your body moves in a different way. It's a bit of a weird one to explain. I remember doing this when I got back to dancing. I was like, oh, I didn't move that way before. Um, so you have to kind of relearn your body. So starting small, starting with a really gentle class is fantastic, low impact exercise. Give it a rest for a couple of days, see how you feel, and then go again if you're okay and just build it up in small chunks like that. Mm, that's, great. that's great, yes. Yeah. Um, how can can people kind of how can they how can they work with you if they if they are um, if they have scoliosis or have spinal fusion, what's kind of the best way to, to work with you? So we do weekly group classes um, similar to you. And obviously at the moment, they're all virtual. We're all completely online, um, which has worked really well. So we've got people from all over the world joining, which is fantastic. Um, so we have Pilates classes and I was debating saying this, we're starting um, cardio classes in um, the summer, which I'm really excited for. So it will be low impact um, cardio sessions. So we're not doing any jumping that's going to hurt your rods. Um, and we do one-to-one -one sessions as well. So if you're looking for something a little bit more tailored or you just need that kind of refresh of your technique, then we're here as well during the day. Um, or in the evening. So yeah, lots of different ways to kind of get involved. And we recently launched an on-demand studio as well. So we've got loads of sessions up on our on-demand studio from stretch and relaxation sessions, all the way through to things that are a little bit more meaty that are gonna get your arms burning or your butt burning, which seems to be our favorite session on there for some reason. Um, but yeah, it's been really nice to be able to connect with people through all those different means. Um, lots of ways to get moving. It's important we do get moving. Yes, yes. I think that that is really important. That's the main thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Get off your chair and uh, do yeah. something. Well, this is the thing, and I, I see a lot of people who have their operation, and 10, 15 years down the line, they're saying, oh, I'm in a lot of pain, and I don't really know why. And you think, actually, it's probably that you haven't been doing anything to manage it. And I think like what Liz said, her pain's getting worse as she's getting a bit older. And I think it is accumulative. And if you don't try and tackle it, you don't make an effort to get up during the day or keep yourself strong, um, then of course you're going to experience more pain. And I know that can cause this horrible cycle where you think, I'm in pain, I don't want to do anything, but then you're in pain because you're not doing anything. And it's it's really hard to get out of that, that circle. Mm, yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, I see this all the time that, well, I hear this all the time that people say, oh, I'm, I'm not doing I'm not yoga doing or Pilates, Pilates because um, 
it hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be, be. Yeah. And it's really tough. I think this again is where like I'm talking about that emotional connection to the physical is that you put a mental block on it and you kind of write it off and think you need somebody else to almost sort the condition for you and to manage your scoliosis or your fusion for you. But the most powerful thing, I'm sure you know this for yourself, is just for you to have the tools yourself and to put in a little bit of effort every day to just look after your body and nurture your body. Um, it does make a huge difference. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. A little bit every day. <laughs> yeah. I've got clients who I, I know that they um, they really struggled, like you say, at the start, and they think, oh, I can't do it because it hurts when I do it and I don't want to aggravate it. But I think it's, it's a confidence thing. And if you can build up confidence at a very small level and know that you can do, I don't know, one rep of an exercise and not experience pain, that's when you can start to build it up. And before you know it, you're doing 20 press-ups like a pro and it's easy. So, yeah. Excellent. Lovely. Any um, last pieces of advice? from you from that um, you might want to share or that maybe you want to share with people who who are going through this at the moment? Yeah, I think just understand that experiencing pain long term is impacted by stress and also causes stress. And even if you can't work out a way to manage the pain, have a think about the stress because they're so intertwined. And if you can maybe take some more time for yourself, have some time to switch off, manage your workload, it is really then going to help impact on your pain levels as well. Mm, that's brilliant. Dogs <laughs> in the background. Oh no, I was hoping you couldn't hear it. Oh, yeah. typical. That's okay. There's nothing against my my dodgy uh, audio today. I think. <laughs> yes. Sorry, guys, about that, but hopefully you could um, hear Emily fine. Oh dear. Oh dear. I'll go and give her a give her a telling off in a second. Uh, there's uh, there's she's saying I battle with my head. I thought. Yeah. If I have pain, more exercise will help. I find it hard to stop and find a balance. Okay, so start, start really, really small. And when you think about exercise, it doesn't have to be a hit class. It could be a walk in nature. And that's really, really good to just get you moving. And it will also help your head as well. And I think that's important to note that exercise isn't just about your physical body. It's about your head and your emotional state as well and how everything's intertwined as I've been saying so what I would say Liz is just start going for a walk if you can every day 10 minutes um, and try and get outdoors get some fresh air and see if it makes a difference and then you can build up from there mm -hmm. brilliant <laughs> good yeah. thank you so much for your time Emily today that's all right. It's been so lovely to chat to you and catch up. Yeah, it's really nice to chat. And I will leave all your links in the description below so people can connect with you. Uh, remind us of your Instagram handle. Um, I'm at Build Breed Pilates. So won't let me have an ampersand in there. <laughs> yeah, at Build Pilates. Lovely. Okay. So everyone go and find Emily Collector. with her. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you.
Bye, Thank everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did I would be super grateful if if you could leave me a five-star rating and review which will help me to create lots more amazing content. If you have any questions or suggestions reach out to me on Instagram at yogaberry.scoliosis or visit my website at www.yogaberry.net.